Welcome to the Oceans Church Podcast. We pray that as you join us for this message, you are blessed, encouraged and empowered to bring the Kingdom of Heaven into your spheres of life. So great. Well, it is so good to be here at Oceans Perth with you. My family, I drove up from Albany today. I woke up at 4am this morning just to um, be all prepared and ready. Who got up at 4am? Anyone? Did you get up at 4? Oh my goodness. We've got another crazy in the room. Awesome. Come on. I could do a bit of a, a bit of a test of who got up at what time, but you're here and that's who's excited about being here. I'm excited. So good. And also so good to have people online with the camera over there. I think it is, or at the back, there we go, online. Give it up for people joining us online as well. So good to have you with us. And um, Jess and our kids say hello as well. They love you guys so much. And it's just so good to be here with family, Jaden and Ash and the crew. And I can't wait for next Sunday, Vision Sunday next week. We've got a very exciting announcement to make next Sunday. Is that when we're making it? It is when we're making it. Absolutely. I'm not going to take it at all. Hey, one thing I wanted to point out to you was this beautiful pamphlet on your seat. Everyone pull this out and give me a bit of a wave. This is our new Bible reading plan that we have that launches tomorrow. That's right, tomorrow it starts. I read the final day of last year's Bible reading plan today. Psalm 150 spoke about shouting in your worship to God, even dancing. Um, Psalm 150, and everyone read that with me, obviously. Um, but we start our Bible reading plan not on the 1st of January, but on the first day of our kind of new year, which is really tomorrow, essentially. Everyone comes back from holidays. So this is a plan for you to intentionally read some awesome parts of the Bible together. Um, there's a great power about us reading the same parts of the Bible together. We know that there's, lot, there's millions of Bible reading plans out there, but this one is not too much. It comes in bite-sized pieces. It's so doable, but God has really spoken to us as a church through last year's Bible reading plan. And so I want to encourage you, get on this. Um, if you want to access it online, PDF version online, go to oceans.church forward slash make room. And Make Room is a bit of a window into what the theme for the year is going to be launching next week. Don't tell anyone. Excellent. So, um, I'm excited about the last week of Revolution series. And Josh introduced the whole idea very, very well. And you know what? All of us try, well, most of us, many of us try to have New Year's resolutions. I'm resolutely not going to do this. Or I'm going to do this from now on. I'm going to do more exercise. I've got a Garmin watch. Um, and so I'm doing more exercise because, you know, we conclude if I can do more, then I can be better. If I can do less of this, then I can be better. But apparently 92% of new resolutions fail. And then we think, I'm not better. I'm a failure. But actually, we're starting a personal revolution this year. Whereas rather than focusing on what we do, like Josh said, we're focusing on who we are or importantly, on who God says we are, not who we think we are, not who the world tells us are, not how teachers or parents or friends or the media or the world tries to tell us who we are. They're all just as confused as you are. But actually, God, who am I? And so we've been digging into the Bible over the last few weeks, hearing incredible speakers, starting with Caitlin and then Jared and then Flick and Jake and then Harry and Rachel last week preached up an absolute storm each showing us one key scripture or one key truth as to who God says we are. 
For example, they've said you are chosen by God. You are a new creation. That's who you are. You are a citizen of heaven. You are Jesus' friend. That is who you are. You are loved. You are called. You are accepted. You are God's masterpiece. You are a child of God. That is who you are. You know, do you want to know where you belong? We belong. We're children of God. We belong to God who is our Father. That is who you are. And so when you know who you are, then you begin to live differently. Because what you do flows out of who you are. And so you've come to the right place to find out who you are in this series. And so I'm going to finish off this series. And I want to show you today, this is slightly, you might think, is this just a bit of a self-help talk today? But no, it's not. We're going to include part of the Bible. But I want to say today that you are a winner. Why don't you tell the next person next to you, why don't you say, you are a winner. Okay, come on. Okay, let's say this with conviction. You are a winner. <laughs> That's it. You are a winner. And, and so to introduce that thought, first of all, I'm going to talk about something called the defeatist mindset. Does anyone have or struggle, I know I do, with the defeatist mindset? For example, you, you've got a race and you don't even bother starting the race because you know you're going to lose. You're defeated before it even begin. Or maybe you line up ready to do the race and you're like, all oh, right, I'll do the race. But you don't even try because you know you're going to lose the race. Well, this sort of defeatist mindset can blend into our whole life. I'm not going to try that because I'm defeated. I may as well not try it. I'm going to fail anyway. And this can pervade our outlook in everything we do. Am I the only one in here? Is there some of us that relate with this? It's like, oh my goodness. We can all be tempted at times and actually carry around a defeatist mindset. But it can be crippling if left unchecked. It can block us from actually achieving the very things that God has for you. We don't even step into what God has for us because we conclude, oh, I'm defeated already. But God has so much more for you. And as we enter into 2024, God wants you and I not to have a defeated mindset, but to have a winning mindset where we can attempt great things for God. We can take risks and we can actually live with confidence. Everyone say confidence and optimism. Everyone say optimism. It can be optimistic rather than pessimistic. This is, and this is grounded in biblical truth, not just wishful thinking. Oh, it's going to turn out great. It's like, you know, will it? Well, actually, yes, it will. And so we're going to be reading through a, part, a section of the Bible called Romans chapter 8. And then we're going to be diving into that. And we're going to be finding out four ways that through Jesus, we can live in victory. We can actually win the battle that is in front of us. And so we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 8, starting from verse 28. We're going to read through this and then pull some truths out of it, which is awesome. And so beginning from verse 28, it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Now we just read that out, right? We're like, oh yeah, but hold on. Just actually read what it says. Let's comprehend what it says. And we know that God causes everything in your life, every wrong choice you've made, every mistake you've made, every sin you've done, everything that's happened to you, every bit of pain that you've gone through, every good thing in your life. God is so great. He's so mighty. He's so big. We know that God causes everything to get to work together for your good. That's what God does. 
And for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That is, that is awesome. In other words, God is setting you up. He's setting you up and you didn't even realize it. And then it goes on to say, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them. God chose you because he loves you. God chose you to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And get this, watch this progression. Having chosen them, that's you, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. God has given you right standing with himself. And given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And so what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Get this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Like if God, the creator of the universe, he is for you. He's in your court. He's got your back. It's like if God is for you, who cares who else is against you? No matter if it's that person in your family or I don't know, the boss or the person driving on the road today or whether it's those in authority or who can, if God, the creator of the universe, who can be against you? Because God is for us. And it goes on. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave his son up for us all, won't he also give everything else? This, this whole scripture is just boasting about how good God is. If God has given you Jesus... Of course he's going to give us everything else. He's already given us Jesus, his most precious son. Of course he wants to provide for you. Of course he wants to lead you. Of course he wants to give you what you need. You are his child. He loves you. Of course he's going to help you in your time of need. And then it goes on. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? It's like we hear a bit of a papa daddy, a bit of mama bear right here as well. A bit of like, how dare you get to my kids? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Like, no one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And now he's seated at the place of honour at God's right hand <clears throat> pleading for us. See, so when it says that Christ is seated at the right hand of God, when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave... After that, after 40, 50 days on earth, he ascended to heaven. And then it says that he's seated at the right hand of God. He sat down. Back in this culture, when you sit down, you've completed your job. You've, you've finished it. There's nothing more to add. So when Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, rose from the dead, went to heaven, he sat because the work was complete. There's actually nothing more for you to add to what Jesus has done for you. It's only something to be received by faith. And then we're getting to the real crux of what we want to share tonight. This is all leading up to it. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we've got trouble? Oh, does God love me anymore? It's so hard. Or calamity, or we're persecuted, or we're hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. Has anyone been threatened with death recently? Well, no, okay, thank God for that. No. Despite all these things, despite any possible challenge you can face in life, get this, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours, it is yours, through Christ who loves you. See, this verse, overwhelming victory, it actually comes from one Greek word 
And this Greek word is pronounced something like hippenikau. Everyone say hippenikau. Now, I'm going to to rephrase it in a much more easy to pronounce way in a moment. And so a hippenikau actually means, it's a Greek word that means a super conqueror who is completely and overwhelmingly victorious. It's like when you race a toddler, all right? (laughs) When When you're a bad racer. And you're going to feel like, man, I'm such a winner. Just like have a race against a toddler. And you are a hop and a cow. You absolutely dominated that race. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> this is what God's talking about. It's a combination of two words. Harper, hooper. It's where we get the word like hyper colour from. It's like, and it means beyond. So it means beyond normal colour, hyper colour. Or you might be looking at me thinking, he's a bit hyper right now. He's got energy and beyond energy. Okay, all right, all right. Harper is a combination of Harper and Nike or Nike. Nike. So this is where we actually get the brand Nike from. It was named after the Greek goddess, which is a goddess of victory. And so it's, and Paul was referring to his contemporary language back then. Of course, he didn't believe in the God of victory. He only believed in the God who actually gives us victory. But it's beyond victory. So you are together. We have Hypernike. <clears throat> Everyone say Hypernike. Anyone wearing any Nikes? You got a Nike t-shirt? Okay, great. Next Sunday, wear your Nike clothing. And so what God is saying is that through Jesus, we have Hypernike. We have victory. We have beyond victory. We are winners. What does a winner do? You face a battle and you dominate it. You face a challenge and you overcome it. You face the enemy and you win the battle. You and I, through Jesus, you and I have access to full victory, overwhelming victory. So I want to talk about four key areas that God gives us overwhelming victory in. First of all, God gives us victory over Satan. He gives us victory over Satan. You know, sometimes I can talk to Christians, right? And they come to me and they're like, I'm like, how are you going? They're like, Oh, defeated. Oh, I'm under such spiritual attack right now. So much spiritual attack. And, and I've said this before myself as well. So much spiritual attack. And I'm like, cool. Well, do you know what? You don't have to be defeated, actually, because you have hyper Nike. Actually, you have overwhelming victory. In fact, I hope that you're facing spiritual battle because it means you've been fruitful in your life. It means Satan has you in his sights and he wants to take you out because you're actually a threat to his kingdom. And so, but through Jesus, you and I are more than conquerors and winners. We don't need to fear Satan. It's not inevitable that he will win. Actually, it's inevitable that he's going to be defeated on that day when Jesus returns. And he's freaking out about the power and authority that you actually carry. So he's trying to intimidate you with all these spiritual attacks. But actually, you and I have overwhelming victory against Satan through Jesus. See, John chapter 3 verse 8 refers to Jesus when it says the reason the Son of God, that's Jesus, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy. It's it's very clear that the enemy, the devil, definitely forms weapons against you to kill and to destroy you. Absolutely believe it, Satan and demonic powers has strategies to take you down to Chinatown. P.S. One of those is to isolate you from church. So never fall for it. I see it all the time. Today I was talking to traffic on the way up and it's like, people think the answer when they go through a hard time 
ways to withdraw from church. Actually, it's ridiculous because even the strongest zebra in Africa is weak when it pulls itself from the, from the what do you call it, the herd? Yeah. And when it's isolated, then it's vulnerable to attack from the lion. And Peter, 1 Peter 5 talks about how the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who to devour. The lion never goes for the pack, but it always goes for the one isolated. But you know what? You can have a weak zebra, fully sick, vulnerable, easy prey, but if they are part of the pack, the devil won't touch them. So that's a bit of a deviation. Can I tell you, don't fall for the lie. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Come on. That was not in my notes. And so Jesus came to destroy the strategies of the enemy. And there's what you have. And get this. One example that, or one way that God destroys the devil's plans is actually by referring to the scripture we read out, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, where it says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and according to his purpose for them. In other words, God even uses your brokenness. He even uses the very weapons that Satan has formed against you. God reconstitutes them. He reforms them and he weaponizes the weapon that was formed against you and puts it in your hand as a weapon to use against the enemy. God works everything for your good. I'm going to give an example from the Bible. When we read the book of Genesis, we discover or we read about Joseph. Can I encourage you to read about Joseph? It'll change your life. And Joseph was the youngest, the second youngest, and he, he was a favourite of his family. He had 12 other older brothers who were jealous of him because he was father's favourite. <clears throat> and they tried to kill him, but they thought, actually, we'll settle and we'll sell him as a slave to a foreign land in Egypt. And so Joseph finds himself, the older brothers who were meant to take care of him, and, and lift him up and see him succeed. They sold him as a slave. They rejected him, sold him as a slave. He found himself in a foreign land, away from his dad who loved him, away from his younger brother who looked up to him, on his own, in prison because he was falsely accused. And this is like, this is serious attack. This is serious weaponization against Joseph. And then in one day, God opened the doors of the prison and made him the second most powerful person in the world. Because through Joseph, the whole earth at that time was saved from famine. And so these 12 brothers, they were in famine, they needed food. So they came to Egypt and they were freaked out when they realised that the person providing the grain was their brother, that they sold into slavery. And they are thinking, it's time for vengeance. Oh dear. But then we look at Joseph's response. Joseph had God's perspective on, on the weapon that was formed against him, he had, he had God's perspective as to what God does with what the enemy intends to use against us. And this is what he said, Genesis 50 verse 20. He said, well, well you intended to harm me. You, your intent was to destroy me. That's what you intended. You and I can say to the enemy, well, well you intended to harm me. Yeah. There's brokenness in my life. There's pain in my life. Things that have been out of control. Things that have been lured in by the enemy to do that have fallen for all, all these things. Yeah, you intended to harm me, but God intended it. But God allowed it into my life for good. See, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. 
You know what? You intended to kill me, but God uses the weapon that you formed against me. Actually, God put it in my hand and he used this to bring me to this place so I could actually reconstitute it as a weapon against the devil who's trying to destroy. And I'm able to now fulfill the purpose of God. And this is the same for you. You have such complete victory through Jesus that not only with the weapon formed against you not work, God's actually reforming the weapon. He's reforming the pain. He's reforming every experience that you've been through to put a weapon in your hands to actually fulfill the purpose of God in your life. Come on, who's happy about that? <clears throat> Number one, through Jesus we overcome Satan. Number two, we overcome temptation. And yes, they're all going to rhyme. See, sometimes the devil wants to convince that you are locked in forever. That whatever you're struggling with regarding temptation, maybe to sin, you are locked in. There's no way out. So you may as well settle. You may as well park it here. This is going to be you. This is who you are. You are defined as a sinner. You're always missing the mark and we can fall from it. We can embrace it. Maybe some addictions that you assume you never break free from. Both obvious ones and more ones in the heart. But the truth is that through Jesus, you can actually win against any temptation. You are not a sinner. You are a winner. Amen. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For God is working in you. He is working in you both to give you the desire to follow Jesus, the desire to do what's right, and the power to do it, to do what pleases Him. God is working in you to, to give you the desire, God, I, I want to follow, I want a way out of this. I want to break. He's giving you, you the desire but and the power to overcome it. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says this. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. All right, I'm just going to pause right there, right? I'm sorry, you are not a special case. I'm the only one that thinks like this. I'm the only one that's been tempted. I thought, oh man, if someone else saw into my mind or what I did or what I thought, man. And the enemy wants you to believe that. To say, yeah, you're the only one. Of course you are. You're the worst. You're the bottom of the barrel. Never tell anyone about that because, and you remain in prison for the rest of your life if you fall for that lie. When you believe the lie, you empower the liar. The liar. Don't empower Satan by believing the lie. Actually, no, you aren't the only one because look at this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Oh, not a special case. No, you are not. You're special in God's eyes, but you're not a special case. And get this, and God is faithful. Come on. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, get this, He will show you a way out so you can endure. He will show you a way out. You know, no matter what you're wrestling with right now, God's promise is He is showing you a way out. You don't have to be defined by giving in to whatever temptation it might be. Whether temptation is, for me at times, if I'm feeling a little emotionally vulnerable, I'll just fill myself up with some food. Amen. Amen. Any food fillers out there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of the old... Um, Ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, sort of, uh, what's it, the, um, hey, that one, and also the brownie, the brownie, oh, oh, hello, just, just fill the, just fill the tank up, amen, but you feel just as empty as before, it doesn't work, so if you go to food, hey, 
God wants to give you a way out. You do not have to live like this anymore. In Jesus' name, Shaphan. If you always get angry and you overreact in certain situations, oh, that's just me. I'm always like that. No, you're not. You aren't a sinner. You're a winner. You don't have to remain as you are, as you've always been. If you're always giving into pornography or lust, hey, that is not you. You are a winner. You have victory. God is showing you a way out to walk in freedom. If you always reach for the drink or for whatever substance it is that you're trying to heal the pain, you know what? This does not define you. It's okay. God is giving you a way out. You can break free because you're not a sinner. You're a winner. Everyone say, I'm not a sinner. I'm a winner. So Jesus gives you victory over Satan, over temptation, and I love this one, over accusation. Accusation. This is one of the devil's greatest weapons, and I know all of us experience this almost every moment of the day. It's the weapon of accusation. You don't measure up. You're not good enough. You'll never be. You're a failure. Look at what you did. See, that's evidence. You're no good. And it can just be overwhelming. You failed. You don't measure up. You're not like them. You're the exception. No one loves you. Day and night. See, look at you. You're not a great mum. You failed. Look at you. You're not a great dad. Look at you. You're not connecting in the way that you should. You're not a great friend. You're not a great tenant. You're not a great worker. You You should do more. You're... It's like, oh my goodness, Instagram. I'm not like any of these people. They're amazing. And the enemy's like, yeah, no, you're not amazing. You're a failure. And my goodness, it can just defeat you on the inside and just suck the life out of you. I'm saying it like I've experienced it. And yes, I have. Anyone else experienced it? Accusation, relentless. In a Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, it says that the enemy, the accuser, accuses us day and night. That's one of his names. If you want to know Satan, he is defined as a liar and a thief. And one of his names is an accuser. That's who he is. Day and night, night and day, he is accusing you. And you and I mistake it as our own voice sometimes. And we're like, yeah, I am. Can I tell you, it is not God's voice. Any voice that makes you feel, feel condemned and yuck and hopeless is not God's voice. Whether the accusation is coming through a person or is coming through just you, it's not even you. Although sometimes the enemy's like, oh good, you're accusing yourself enough. I can just go now. He's like, my job is done. But this is, you know what God's voice does? Even when God points out something that is like not the best in our lives, it always makes you feel like good. It's like Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit whispers. He's like, psst, hey, yeah, that's not the most life-giving decision. You're like, oh yeah, it hurts, but it feels so good. And if you're like hope and encouraged, it's like, yeah, that's the voice of God. Or it's like, oh yeah, 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 true, thank you God, thank you for that. And you, but you feel like laugh. But the enemy is just like, you suck, you got no hope. And you feel like, oh man, it's relentless, it takes your joy away, it saps your strength away. It's one of his complete absolute weapons that he uses. Can I, so can I just say, just, just this, recognize that's the voice of the devil. Can I just say, do not embrace the accuser. Just, just, just know, just keep, it, keep an eye out for it and say, no, because Jesus has given you victory over the accuser. In fact, what Jesus has done is he's disarmed the accuser. So when the enemy comes at you, 
actually, there's no ammunition. So you get this. We're going to read this scripture, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. And it says this. So God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. Isn't that just great? Just, 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 oh, thank you, God. It's like, thank you, God. He's actually forgiven us of all of our sins. I'm like, that is, that's why we're happy. That's why we sing these songs. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. That is great news. And then he explains it a bit more. It says, so Jesus cancelled the record of the charges against us. He took the charges against you by nailing it to the cross. Now, I've actually got something here that I got in the mail the other day. And this is a charge against me. This is a speeding fine. Exceeded speed limit between 10 and 19 kilometres. Alleged speed, 61 kilometres. Maximum allowed speed, 50 kilometres zone. Ouch. They are the worst ones. See, I, I, was, I thought I was doing it right. 61 k's. This is pretty good sticking to the 60, k, 60 limit, but I was in the 50 zone apparently. Um, and it is definitely me, blue car, number plate. Guilty as charged, right? Done. There's no arguing that. However, there's this great little section here where it says driver or person in charge, known. So I just thought I might put Gideon's name there. Gideon, you can pay my fine. Thank you very much. Gideon Metam. You do a lot of driving. But, but do you know what? This, this charge is against me and is right. But what Jesus does is he says, come on, give me the pen. He crosses my na- name out there and he puts his name there. And what he does is he takes it and he nails it to the cross and he pays the amount in full. So I can go free. But that's not fair. Of course it's not fair. That's the whole point. God loves you and I so much that he took every single charge against us. Where the enemy's like, but you sped. And I'm like, I'm not proud of it, but yeah. But where's your ammunition? And he's like, tick, tick, tick. there's no bullets in the gun because Jesus has taken them all. He has taken the full payment for every accusation against me. This is what God has done for us through Jesus. Did you know that actually recently there was a guy who held up a store in South Africa with an AK-47 gun? I would be freaked out if someone walked into a store. I'd be like, take my wallet, take my keys, take my kids, just take it all. Um, No, hopefully I wouldn't at all. Kids, just run along, get that way, that way. No, I would like to think I would would take the bullet for my kids. But... (laughs) But an AK-47 can be pretty intimidating, right? And so, but what these guys discovered was, hold on, there's no ammunition in the AK-47. So they actually beat this guy up and sent him packing down the street. You know what the enemy comes at you with? An AK-47 full of intimidation and accusation. You suck. Look at what you've done. Look at the ways that you've failed. Look at this. But actually... Actually, it's empty because Jesus has taken every charge laid against you. You and I, see, the enemy wants to fleece you of your peace. Look at you, you've done that. Oh, my peace, my joy is robbed. He wants to fleece you of all the joy and all the peace and all the confidence and all the victory that is rightfully yours in Jesus. But tonight, God is saying, don't give in to the accusation 
of the enemy because you have victory. And then we go back to our scripture in Romans chapter 8, where it says, if God is for us, who, who, who can ever be against us? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own. No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. It's like, I just think about my kids with this. I'm like, if anyone came against my kids, like, look out. And this is like the heart of God. He's saying, who, who dare? Who dare condemn us? Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus, died for us and was raised to life for us. So through Jesus, we have victory over Satan, over temptation, over accusation, and over tribulation. Over tribulation. You know, so many of us can be so filled with turmoil in our emotions and in our hearts and in our minds, it can be so overwhelming sometimes that it's like I've got no way out. And Jesus actually said to us in John chapter 16, He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Now that word tribulation, actually, it more talks about what goes on on the inside, on the heart, on the mind. In the Greek word, thlipsis, it actually means a narrow place that hems someone in. It talks about especially this internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined, restricted, without options, feeling there's no way of escape. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. I feel like, oh my goodness, I feel so hemmed in, so restricted. It actually gives this imagery of like a, a, a grape press or an olive press being squeezed, like the life has been squeezed out of you. There's this inner turmoil going. This is what Jesus is referring to when he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But then Jesus says, he says, however, take heart, be of good courage because I have overcome the world through me you will not do not let this tribulation defeat you but actually through me you can win in this context Jesus says here receive my peace so rather than having inner turmoil through Jesus we can have peace and the peace that Jesus gives is this shalom peace where it brings all of the parts together to make you whole where you feel scattered, you feel overwhelmed with, with the bills and the troubles and relational difficulties at work. And you know when you try to figure everything out, but it's like, I can never ever figure this out. You try, to, you try to figure it out to the moment that you've finally got it all nailed and then you can have peace. But I don't know, anyway, I've never succeeded in that. I'm, I've never succeeded in working everything out because if it did, I'd be God. But actually, peace isn't found in working it out. Peace is actually coming to the one who, who knows. Peace is found in Jesus. And then all of a sudden when you receive his peace, like, oh, all this other stuff doesn't matter as much. Instead of he, in fact, he's working it out. He's working it out for my good. See, through Jesus, you can have victory over Satan, over temptation, over accusation, over tribulation. And you know, tonight, what God wants to do is simply say to you, come on, you've got the victory. You've got this. You know, with our kids, so often one of the great privileges of being a dad or a parent is seeing your kids growing up and then having those moments where you get to encourage them and you literally see their tanks filling up. Like they're about to head into a social situation or school or sports day or they're about to attempt something and they, and they kind of, they go, but then they get a bit intimidated and they're looking around and they, and they come back to you. And so many times throughout their growing up years and even now, you take a moment and you're like, come on, look at me, look at me, hey, 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 look at me, 
look at me. I'm like, come on, you've got this. You're okay. You've got it. And they're like, and, like, and they believe you. And they're like, okay. And they get filled with this courage. Like, okay, all right. And they go in and then they dominate. Or they don't, but they go with peace. And they go with joy. They're filled with confidence. And that's what God wants to do for you tonight. To say, come on, look at me. Don't, don't look at Satan, what's going on around there. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Come on, you've got the victory. When, when you're looking at temptation and you're looking at sin and there's no way out and I'm trying to work it out and I'm trying to break, Jesus is like, look at me. When you've got accusation coming and you're like, look at my sin and look at my failing. I'm so dead. Jesus is like, look at me. Look at me. When you've got all your troubles going on, tribulation and all this inner turmoil, again, Jesus is saying, come and look at me because through me, you are a winner. You are an overcomer. So come on tonight. Jesus wants to lift you up. And you know what? It all comes back to Jesus because it says that we have overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. It is ours through Christ. It is yours. And that's what I want you to leave with tonight is to walk out of this place knowing you carry victory with you. You are a winner because Jesus has given it to you. So one picture I want to end with that really puts this in a great light is the only way we can have victory over these things is through a relationship with Jesus, which many people in this room do have. Because the truth is breaking free from Satan is impossible. Actually, breaking out of temptation is impossible. Breaking out of accusation is impossible. Breaking out of tribulation on your own, it's impossible. It's like trying to escape gravity. Like you might break it for a while, but eventually you're grounded. Gravity, the law of gravity takes hold of you and pulls you down. See, we can never break free of these things in our own strength. But there is only way, and that is through Jesus. And that is why you can actually step into an aeroplane, right? And when you step into an aeroplane, like a 450-ton hunk of metal, somehow breaks the law of gravity by something called the law of lift. Using the law of lift, the law of grace, the law and the power of Jesus, all you need to do to board a plane is to go in and sit down. I've never seen anyone start to panic and start flapping their arms, thinking, do I need to contribute to this somehow? You know, as people are flapping, do I need to help? It's like, no, Jesus has done it all. He's seated. He's relaxed. He's good. He's done it for you. You don't need to add anything onto it except simply by faith going, yeah, I'm a winner. And I'm going to sit down in the victory that Jesus has given me. And I'm going out because I trust in God who's made a way for me. I am a winner. I have overwhelming victory is mine through Him who gave His life for me. And so really it comes down to you and I simply receiving it by faith. By faith, not by feelings. When you're accused, it does not, if you're waiting for the feeling, you're never going to find it. When there's tribulation going and you're feeling all kinds of turmoil, if you wait for the feeling, you will never find it. When you've got a battle with Satan, it's not all fairy dust and you're never going to find it. When you're in the midst of temptation, you're not going to find the feeling. But let me tell you, the feeling follows faith. When you take the step of faith, come on, come on I have victory through Jesus. And so why don't we just all stand up tonight together? And what I want to do, first of all, is I don't know everyone here in this room or I don't know those who are watching and joining us online. I simply want to begin by giving people an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've drifted from God for a season of your life. 
But what I want to do is give you an opportunity right now to maybe reset, re-come back to your relationship with Jesus. Or maybe for the first time to actually step onto the plane and say, Jesus, tonight, God, thank you. I want to start a relationship with you. So if we could just all close our eyes across this place. It's not going to rush this moment. If that is you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand nice and high. So I know who I'm praying with tonight. And also as you put up your hand, let it be like an outward sign of God. I trust in you. I'm taking hold of you. I want to start a relationship with God tonight through Jesus. And I'm going to lead you in a simple, in a simple prayer with you here in the room or online. And so if that is you, why don't you just right now put up your hand nice and high so I can see it. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. So good. Hey, why don't we just pray this prayer out loud all together. Dear God, thank you that you love me and that you gave your life for me. Right now, I receive you into my heart. And I commit my life into your hands. I thank you that you love me. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. From this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So good. How are we going to go into singing this song in just a moment? Um, can we just get the words of the song up? The bridge of the song. What song is it again? This one, I see you taking ground. I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. Can we go to the next slide? Your power is dangerous. Come on to the enemy's camp. Let's go. Next slide. You still do miracles. Amen. You will do what you said. Next one. If you're the same God now as you've always been. God is the same God now. He's bringing victory. Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated the power of Satan. And so right now, before we go and sing this song, I just want to pray for each of us through each of these four things. Why don't we close our eyes right now. If you have felt that attack from Satan, why don't you lift up your hands and right now just receive the victory that is yours. We've heard the message, but now by faith we're receiving it. And so right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, we push back every demonic force, every satanic weapon that's been formed against your children in the name of Jesus. We stop it. We block it. We send it back in Jesus' Name. And I thank You, Lord God, that You came to destroy the works of the devil. And so right now, in the Name of Jesus, with Your authority, we break every demonic strategy and we release Your life, Your plans, Jesus. Well, You said the enemy came to seek, to kill and destroy. You said, but I've come to bring them life and life abundant. And so we receive, Lord God, by faith, and I receive and I release and prophesy abundant life, a full life right now in Jesus' Name. Maybe some of you are going through temptation or you found it really hard to break out of certain patterns or mindsets. Well, right now, why don't you lift your hands by faith and receive from God the way out and the breakthrough. So in the Name of Jesus, we break the power of temptation. We break the power of addiction. We break the power of lies. We break the power and the whole. We thank You that the anointing breaks the yoke of slavery. So we release and prophesy the anointing to break the power in Jesus' Name. And we thank You that You're making a way out, Lord. You're making a way out. We declare freedom. He who the Son says free is free indeed. And finally, those that have got turmoil, tribulation on the inside. Why don't you lift your hands and receive Jesus' peace? So God, right now, we just receive your peace.
the peace that is only found in Jesus. So God, we silence busy minds. We silence hearts that are in turmoil and we thank You that You're working it all out for our good. So we receive Your peace by faith in the Name of Jesus because we thank You that we're not defeated. But we are winners, Lord. We have got overwhelming victory through Christ. In Jesus' Name, as we sing this song, maybe you want to get out of your seats and come forward saying, I'm defeating... I'm leaving my defeated mindset behind. I'm leaving my defeated life behind. And I'm stepping into victory that Jesus has got for me. So come on, why don't we praise God? Come out of your Thank you for listening to the Oceans Church podcast. For more information, visit oceans.church.